James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Saturday morning at Radio Extravaganza here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you would like to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. We have, of course, a very busy news day. It's been a busy news week. The... Stories that are dominating today, of course, concern the report issued by Special Counsel Robert Hur regarding President Biden's handling of classified documents, his memory. Car- Tucker Carlson's interview is still getting a lot of attention. I can't even get a number count on that. Uh, some I've heard estimates of up to 150 million people have watched it. Derek, have you heard any numbers? Derek Hunter is here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, broadcaster, pundit, commentator, uh, author, uh, 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 irreverent podcaster. Derek, what have you heard about uh, the, uh, the numbers on Tucker? And, by the way, Derek was the first person that Tucker hired over back in the day at the, the, the Daily Caller. Yeah. You go back with Tucker a long way. I do. I I met him at a party, and uh, I'd already emailed with him to try and get him to do an interview with me. But, yeah, I met him at a party at Christopher Hitchens' house, the late, great Christopher Hitchens, after the White House Correspondence Dinner. And from there, he hasn't been able to shake me. Uh, last I saw, it was like $104 million. But, that you know, yes, the number of views on any of these social media things is – you don't know what it means. We just got to be honest about it. It's a lot of people. A lot of people have watched it. But if you watch five seconds of a video or three seconds of a video, I think it counts. So it's a number that Tucker knows because he'll know how much time was spent listening and what have you, or watching. But it is, uh, let's see, 173 million people it has reached. A lot of people. hundred, hundred and seventy-three million people have have seen the tweet with the interview in it. It's two hours and seven minutes long, so I yes, can't imagine half the population of the United States of America sat in the front of their computer for two and a half hours, or on their phone or, or their, their iPad. Phone. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, it well, says one hundred and seventy-three million views. One hundred seventy-three point six million views, which I'm. It's on right now. It's auto playing. I think that counts as a view. Okay. Now, did you have a chance to watch any of it? Now, I know you called me yesterday and said, you got to see this thing. I saw a little bit of it. I've seen little clips of it, but it's two, and a half, it's two hours long. I, uh, I fell down the rabbit hole of cleaning my office. So, no, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> and I didn't Whoa, finish before, cleaning my wait, office. Wait. Before we go further, how's your girl? With, is, she, is she happy with, with, the, uh, with the tooth fairy... Giving her like half a million bucks for her first tooth loss. She got five and- bucks for it. She's ready to punch herself and knock another one out. Um, <laughs> I offered her 20 bucks if she'd pull it out, but she didn't do that. And she, she brought that up. Remember when you said $20? I said that was if you took it out. I took it out. I should get the $20. Um, 
She's good. She is. She was immediately good after it fell out. She's ecstatic. She has literally called everybody except my brother, who I think my brother probably would wonder why I'm letting her call him on video chat. But she's <laughs> video chatted cousins, friends, people that she's met twice. Anybody she's ever spoken to on the phone or on a FaceTime chat, she's called to tell about her tooth. Well, yeah. good. No, and look, so it, this is no. the first one, though, right? No, that's what's sad about it. It's the fourth one. This what? It's the fourth one. Two bottom teeth had fallen out before. First one she kind of pulled out. The second one I had to pull out because she was freaked out about it. The third one she wouldn't touch, which was up front and in front like a rabbit tooth. And we're sitting there and uh, watching TV, and it just I just saw something fall out of her mouth like she just spit up a piece of corn. And I'm like, oh my god! And then this one dangled for like six weeks, and I'm like, I right, this is that's it, that's it, because there's no reason to be afraid every single damn time that this happens. So, <laughs> hopefully, my abusive parenting has assuaged her of future issues with teeth falling out. Otherwise, we're gonna get some serious dental equipment in this house. <laughs> all right, so, all right, so now, what did you think of what you saw? I thought the... Vladimir Putin was a, a collegial, senile old... No, I'm sorry, wrong president. <laughs> wrong president. Uh, I thought he was frighteningly on the ball. But if there were any concerns that, you know, because there had been various reports over the past couple of years that is Putin ill, Putin is disappearing, Putin appears uneasy in public, Putin this, Putin that, Putin that doesn't mean there's not something wrong with him. But it has not affected his mental acuity. He is able to speak coherently on issues. The man knows history. Um, Guy seems, I have a problem with people who are ruled by history, but he knows his history. And the people of Ukraine, a large part of the percentage of the people of Ukraine are Russian people, and he needs to reunite the people. And it's the same argument that Hitler made for going into the Rhineland. But... Um, he doesn't seem all that interested in stopping the war anytime soon. I think he would if if circumstances advantageous to him presented themselves. But he's not like in this country. After twenty minutes, we there'd be a protest in front of the White House. The president would be caving. They'd be looking for an exit strategy. There's no such concerns on his end. So. He wouldn't mind. He wouldn't be upset if it resolved itself in a way favorable to him soon. But if it went on and he had to keep throwing more bodies on the fire, so what? When you've resigned yourself to go to hell, man, why not try to upgrade to first class? Mm. What do you think the impact, if any, will be contrasting? where Putin is and Joe Biden with the people in America that watched this interview. That's the catch, the people in America who watched it. I don't think the, um, well, Fox pretends it doesn't exist. MSNBC and CNN ridicule it. Britt Hume actually uh, posted something uh, favorable about it um and 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 very you know complimentary of of Tucker last night right but on not social on media not but on no air. not on air 
Um, Drudge. Remember when Drudge was conservative? Is Drudge still around? Uh, Drudge is still around. Uh, they bought his body language. Expert says that uh, you know Tucker was a little schoolboy who was you know a, dominated. Whatever by Putin. I mean, it it all. This is there are a lot of people still go to Drudge, right? So a lot of people get these impressions. A lot of people think that ABC, CBS, and NBC are honest brokers, and they won't mention it at all. So I don't know what. Well, I, I, you know this. The, no, the interview. Look. This thing actually, it, shockingly enough, got front page coverage in the Amazon, in, in the Amazon Prime Washington Post, New York Times, the AP. About a, the content a, a kind of, of it or about that it happened? Well, it happened and some of it was a little snarky toward Tucker. Right. AP did their own little fact check version of things that let's fill in the gaps. Well, if you had your own reporter there, then we'd be talking about your story, but you didn't. And, uh, and so... This thing has gotten a lot of coverage, and I right. think but there the was coverage a, a is that up. it happened, James. There's there's ways to cover it. You can either talk about what they talk about in the interview, or you can say this happened, and he's in the pocket of Trump, and he's in the pocket of Putin, and he's been a vocal critic of blah blah blah, and you can frame it that way. It's not about the picture; it's about the frame. Yep. Okay. All right, so, let me. I'm going to go through some headlines. Um, they can't deny other... it happened because it did happen, and it's, it should be newsworthy. But just like the Republicans pounce stories, it's either about what Democrats. It's about what Republicans did when it's a Republican scandal. It's about how Republicans react when it's a Democrat scandal. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of thing. All right. So now let me go through a stack of headlines that I yeah. have here. And let's see. Democrats, this is a columnist from Brett Stevens, New York Times. Democrats can no longer stay silent about Biden. Dismayed by the special counsel, Robert K. Harris report on President Biden's mishandling of classified documents, the one that absolved the president of wrongdoing by describing him to devastating political effect as an elderly man with a poor memory, should take solace in a line often attributed to Lenin. The worse, the better. That's how that one starts. Um, I Another one today, you'll find this in the Daily BS. Look, I'm not going to kid you. Democrat representative says it's a challenge that Biden is as old as he is. Here's another one, also in Daily BS, absolutely lucid. John Fetterman says he's never once seen Biden suffer from cognitive difficulties. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Not that he can remember. <clears throat> oh, don't be mean. <laughs> hey, he's my favorite Democrat. Why? Because he's one of the few. Him, if Cinema were still a Democrat, she would be. But uh, she, he's willing to stand up to the radicals, at least on a couple of things. Okay. Andrew McCabe is back in the news. We have that story to Daily BS today, too. Disgraced FBI official says there are nauseating similarities between Biden's classified documents and Hillary's emails. Believe that? No. You, I bet you that it has to do with the way that James Comey came out and said yes. he wasn't going to charge her. It has nothing to do with the fact that they both committed crimes that normal human beings would be tried for. See, you, without even reading the story... You go right to the heart of the story, Dad. Yeah, it's, it's about the framing. That's it. 
They're trying to exonerate him. They, look, they, the alternative is Kamala. They don't want Kamala. They, they're horrible about Kamala. They'd much rather have Gavin Newsom. But they can't bypass. They've, they've so pushed all their chips in the center on the, the identity politics game that they can't bypass the first black woman president who's sometimes Asian when it suits her needs uh, for a rich white guy. So they go, we got to drag Joe across the finish line because she's the only politician in America less popular than he is. Pritzker, this guy, this this Governor J.B. Pritzker out there in Illinois says he, he makes, smells he makes, a rat. He could be a Chris Christie before photo. He's a big, big guy. Yeah, well, he says he smells a rat in the report on Biden's memory. As one congresswoman out there says that Biden ought to resign. Prisker says he smells a rat. Uh, and that he thinks this is a pretty much he thinks this is all a setup. Pretty much anybody, any Democrat in the state of Illinois who thinks they smell a rat. Uh, that's their olfactory sense is leaves something to be desired. The entirety of the Democrat machine is corruption as uh, as day as long as the day is so spare me that this idea that he's going to be holier than thou but this is what they have to do james this is what they have to do they have to make it about the the report rather than what the report says well okay so derek what how would you frame this story well it wouldn't be a shock to so many people and sadly, it's a shock to so many people. Wouldn't be they had to change the way the president of the United States exits Air Force One for God's sakes. They had to. They take him out basically the cargo bay because there are fewer steps because he's too big of a risk to fall and going up down and down the normal steps that every president has gone down. That should have been a bigger story. He trips over all sorts of things. There's video footage of him having absolute brain farts and speaking to dead people and all this. Like, they just ignore it. This one they can't ignore. So they're going to make it about the framing. They bring in James Comey. I'm sure James Comey's sitting there going, look, I'm on the team. What are you attacking me for? But they have to attack James Comey. He gave them their out. This is a partisan attack. He shouldn't have done this. And the guy's a Republican, so... He's obviously a MAGA Republican. Paul Begala went off about how this guy lost his job in the 2020 election and has been angry ever since. Like, this is, they're vicious, they're ruthless, they have no scruples, they're not bound by reality, they're tough to fight, they're like boxing a cloud. So how you frame this is you just keep showing footage of Joe Biden. It all we have the truth on it. The the left have to lie about us, and all we have to do is show the world what the left does. Unfortunately, George Soros is out there throwing money around, and the George Soroses, like the Sandlers, and all the big money leftists out there, just kind of throwing money around like a rapper at a strip club. And on the right, there's a bunch of people who will go, "I'll spend some money, but what am I going to see in return for this?" And there should be principled people who go, you know what, I'm not going to, I'll give you if you're a C4, if you're a charity, and I get a tax deduction. No, you either believe in the cause or you don't. Give as a, as a, a super PAC to sit there and run ads and educate the public. There should be, the Republican parties, but they're worthless, should be running ads constantly showing just factual issues that are happening down at the border. 
fact, I wouldn't hit Joe Biden on the senility yet. I'd let it get a little bit closer to the election because there is still a possibility that they could replace him. You want him on that ballot. But um, they should be doing what the media won't do, and not in a hyperbolic way, not in a way that, you know, the truth is on our side. The left has to lie because the truth is their enemy. We don't have to. Unfortunately, a whole bunch of people will exaggerate everywhere in politics. Those people need to be kept at arm's length, but we don't have the money because our donors sit there and go, well, I believe I'll donate because I want open borders if you're a Koch brother. I believe I'll donate if, because I support this one particular pet issue, or I'll give it to, no offense to the group, but I'll give it to uh, Turning Point USA. Well, they don't need money. They're preaching to the choir. You need somebody to do choir recruitment, all right? If you need to convince the choir, you're screwed. You need to expand the choir or you're screwed. Well, interesting. Interesting that. Uh, Let's get to a break. We're going to get your calls, 800-848-9222. WABC Talk Radio 77, the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We'll be back. Derek Hunter is with us. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, with you. It's Saturday morning. Welcoming your calls as well, 800-848-WABC. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. On Rod Stewart begins four weeks at number one with this one. This may, I wonder if this is his biggest. Derek, did you actually like this song? Do you remember this song? Were you out grooving and at the disco when Do You Think I'm Sexy came out? That's or it. were you like a kid in your diapers? Me and Liza were at Studio 54. We were both in diapers at the time. Uh, she Sounds was coked out of her mind. I was more of a Jack and Coke kind of guy, but it was nuts. And, uh, don't even get me started about the orgies at Warhol's place. Yeah. Yeah, it was an amorous zygote. What can I say? A lot. <laughs> hey, that was your life. You're the one who went to Studio 54. I wasn't even I around. I did go to was... Studio 54 twice or three times. Did you meet a lady friend there? Did you see anybody? I forget that. Did you get any? see anybody famous there? Um. Yeah. I, it was... That's, it was and look, it was a long time ago. I don't even remember who I saw there, but yeah, I was there. I partied at Studio 54 two or three times back in the day. It was difficult to get in, but, um, well, it wasn't difficult for me, Ooh. but I but I got in. And um, and I remember one time I, I left after shortly after I got there because I was bored, but I don't remember that much about well, this it. This had to have been I, in the 80s before the... When everything it was, was when Studio apart. 54 was Studio 54, when it was the big thing. Oh, really? So this was still like in the disco era with Steve yeah, Bell and everybody? Yeah. In fact, one of the when I, I was at Studio 54 for the premiere opening of the whatever movie that was that Casablanca record labels put out. Um, it was, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Stop the oh, music? Thank, no, thank God it's Friday. Thank, thank God it's Friday. I was there for the big party. Was that with the for, village people, the village people in there? It was a whole, they had a lot of artists from Casablanca on that 
that that movie, as I recall. Uh, Donna Summers was on the soundtrack. Uh, YMCA. I'll have to go pull that vinyl record out. It was Did a lot of people. Did you make out with Donna Summer, James? I That's never even funny. met Donna Summer, sadly. Hmm. I, I talked to Donna Summer. You know Donna Summer was a Rush Limbaugh fan. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, Donna Summer was a Rush Limbaugh fan. And I, I think I talked to her once. You're ruining I, her it, with the gays right now. You know this. I don't care about <laughs> people. She was a lovely person. And, yeah, and... Uh, you know, she was also, I think, and I, I don't want to, to to overreach here, but I also believe she, I, I think I remember her, people telling me she came from a very religious background. Yeah. They were a little surprised that she was as, uh, um, the sex thing kind of we shocked were, people. Not, not herself, per se, but the music. Yeah, the imaging around her. Yeah. And um, and, but she was a conservative woman. She was a sexy woman with a whole lot of hair, whole lot. And that woman could sing. Donna Summer was a great artist. Mm-hmm. You know, um, beyond the whole "ooh, love to love you, baby." When you get in, especially to her later career, I mean, she had some real great records. Um, re- re- in fact, she did one with Brenda Russell. She did a where Brenda Russell wrote a few uh, songs on it, and it, the collaborations are brilliant. Anyway. Yes, I, I hung out at Studio 54 back in the day. A little bit. Two or three times I wasn't a regular, of course. Why not? <sighs> Seems like they I was working. Out. You could have hung out with Michael Jackson. You could have, uh, who knows, you could have been the Jackson I've met Michael Jackson before. Yeah, but. No, see, this is the, the, I think you're going to criticize me because you're going to say I'm name dropping. No, and no, I'm doing no. All I was going to say you were older game. then. It's a different relationship. You were older when you met him. What does that have to do? Derek, you know, you need to it stop. It doesn't need really explanation, need, James. You need, you need to stop, Derek. Oh, you need to, to stop. stop this this he this, this stop. insane. You don't. Hmm. I'm not going to go through this again with hmm. you. You are your, your, your insane smearing of Michael Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, the Daily you're right. Mail I do sometimes that, treat Michael like he's a child. Kind of like the way that, no, never mind. <clears throat> you were saying? I was saying the Daily Mail says that the Biden campaign, the, the Biden administration plans to make Merrick Garland the fall guy Yeah. for this. They say that he should have reined in the special prosecutor. I don't know what any, what good any of this is going to do. The more they protest, the more attention they're bringing to no, this. this. This couldn't have come they out sent a out time. some... This couldn't have come out at a better. We got the Super Bowl tomorrow. That's going to be the dominant right. story. They're going to move on as quickly as possible. There, are, there will be people on the left who, through a vendetta of you know demanding absolute one hundred percent loyalty, will move on the attorney general, and they can have him. They can get him. He's a gettable guy. He is one of the least compelling people in Biden's cabinet. He doesn't check any of the boxes in the liberal liberal hierarchy of victimhood. So he was only chosen for this job because Barack Obama picked him for the Supreme Court and Mitch McConnell blocked him. So they're like, well, we'll show him. We'll put Merrick Garland out there. And Merrick Garland has done nothing as attorney general except prove Mitch McConnell did this country and this planet a major service by doing that. But they're, they'll throw him under the bus. They need 
the, it's anger at this point because, like I said, the media will have moved on by Monday. It'll be over. But I don't know whether on. this is going to move on by Monday. I would be interested. Look, this a number of the Super Bowl no, being by the moving big story on. I mean, week. they're not going to be to talking be totally about how doddering he is. They're going to be talking about how this report was so beyond the pale. You saw it. The initial reports on on CNN. Ellie Honing, their legal analyst over there, is like, this is damning, this is this, this is that, this is the other thing. And by the morning, uh, the memo had gone out. Um, Dan Goldman had gone on TV on CNN, too, and said, this is ridiculous that this report was out there. This report should not have been issued. It's just like James Comey. And that became the spin. And then the morning, Joe, people were frothing at the mouth that the report was allowed to exist. And the content of the report didn't matter anymore. So they're going to move on as quickly as possible. In the minds of the people they, they've got and they need to corral and keep on the plantation, they've already planted the seed that this was an unnecessary hit job by a Trump appointee, blah, blah, blah. But they done, they want to move on as quickly as possible. It doesn't mean they're not pissed off at the attorney general, and they will be pissed off at the attorney general. But they're going to do the if, – if they fired Garland tomorrow – it would be because of this. If they fire Garland in three months, or two they months, cannot whatever. afford to ever fire Garland because no, they, they would be to too leave. afraid that Garland. They would. Garland. They Garland could spill the beans on everything. No, he. They will he never. He's go. got these people over. They don't necessarily know that if they mistreat him, this guy has them over the. This guy has them over the barrel. Is All there anything about Merrick Garland that makes mouth. you think that, you know, he's he's certainly more on the ball than Joe Biden, but just barely. Okay, so it's not. Yeah, well, they say that the Democrats are saying that Garland should have at least edited the report, taken out the bit about him being a senile old man that can't remember anything. And then I love these reports. I love all the memes that are on social media. With with There's one that I think uh, Donald Trump reposted. Uh, re- re- that has a map of the Middle East, and if you look between Gaza and wherever there's Mexico, <laughs> if you, because uh, <laughs> no, I think Joe it's, Joe it's the, Joe announced a, a secret portal, a teleportation device from Mexico right to Gaza. It's little known. I'd heard rumors about it when I worked in the Senate, but now we have confirmation of it. So it's it's good to know. The future of air travel is over. We're just yeah. going to be able to use these little black holes. Kamala Harris comes out leading the charges, the attack puppy, calling um, uh, her politically motivated. Good. Keep this up. Keep up. And and you said that the Super Bowl is, I want to turn back to that for a minute, going to be a big story. I think this Super Bowl, except for the, 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 the Taylor Swift fans, the, the Swifties, because um, it's Swift's playing um, the San Francisco get the poop out of the streets. And who, who? Do you uh, is this game actually? Does there, anybody that's really paying attention to this game? Does anyone really care? I don't care who wins. I'm not even planning on watching the thing. It's like after the real teams got got out of it. It's like okay, well, you know, who cares? Another Super Bowl with some teams from somewhere out there. One from a crime congested city. The other from I don't even know. Where, the barbecue the capital the of the t- world. Look, dude, it's going to be the most watched event of the year. It's going to be a hundred million. The Taylor Americans. Swifties against. The- it's not. First of all, can we talk about 
how Joe Biden passing on the halftime interview doesn't help his case of uh, lucidity here. When you are in a heated reelection campaign and you're given access to the largest TV audience in the world for free for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or however long it is, and you pass on it, um, you should be embarrassed and that should send up red flags. But he's been getting away with that all along. But look, this is people are going to watch. People care. Brock Purdy, lowest paid quarterback in the league, last drafted, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Their narratives galore. Plus, James. We are a gambling addicted country now. Nobody wants to talk about we are? it. We are. You, you can't watch. I'm looking at Twitter right now. Right there, the second thing to add DraftKings. Come on, get five bucks, bet 200. Or bet five bucks, get 200. You can't watch a sporting event, no matter what it is. I'm sure pro bowling. You go to commercial break, and there's Jamie Foxx or Kevin Hart going. Hey, you need to bet. You should bet. You can do this. Get the king of sports books. Do this in the sports book. Like, okay, great. Uh, I live in a trailer. I don't have any money, but this is my pathway to riches. And at the bottom in print that you need a jeweler's loop to read, it says, hey, if you're a problem gambler, only bet what you can afford. That's not what they're doing. They're looking at something like billions of dollars. I forget what it is. Bet on the Super Bowl this year. Because why not? Same game parlays. Bet in there. Is this this play going to be a pass or a run? It is an industry now. Somewhere Pete Rose is sitting there going, why the hell am I? Major League Baseball is an official (laughs) sports book. Why can't I get in the Hall of Fame? All I did was, you know, bet on baseball and have more hits than anybody ever. Wow. the, The culture has changed to the point that it's all about gambling now. So people who have... You know, look, I don't gamble. I don't know if you gamble or not. I, I do I, not. I don't. I've never I bet avoid, on a sports game with any book. No, I've or never bet like on that. a sports game. I, I, I've played squares every once in a while when somebody presents me with it, but most of the time I don't. I know that I stay away from casinos as much as possible because my mentality has been when I'm in there, if I'm winning, I can keep winning if I keep playing. And if I'm losing, I can win it back if I keep playing. And I know that's a horrible thing. And so the times I've gone, I've limited myself to a certain amount, and I've had to fight, no matter how quickly I've blown through it, had to fight to stick to it. But most people, look, in Michigan, last time I was back there, one of the last times I was back there, I'm watching TV, and they not only have these sportsbook commercials all over every sporting event, they have, you can play casino games from your phone in Michigan. You can play roulette, you can play blackjack, you can play slots, you can do, it's basically a casino on your phone, and I thought, Oh, that's exactly what the world needs. That's exactly what the world needs. And I, you know, talked to some of my family members, and everybody knew somebody who'd hit some kind of jackpot. My niece knew somebody at work hit for $425,000 on their phone playing slots or whatever. And it's just like, okay, well, I'm never going to be able to convince people that uh, this is a bad idea. And the, the wow. casinos are going to get rich. <laughs> You are kind of opening my eyes up. I didn't realize how deeply this this culture had moved in. Derek Hunter is with us, hey, ladies and gentlemen. Your calls. When I was mm-hmm. a kid, you we had gotta fake... go to break, Derek. Hold that thought. All right, hold that thought because this is timely too. On this day, very timely, two thousand eight. Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. Five Grammys, including Record of the Year for this one. Rehab. I'm not going to give her crap. She had a great voice. She had an amazing voice. Yeah. If she'd have taken about 
80 of her tattoos off, she would have been very beautiful, too. Oh. Haphazard tattoos. Not my thing. Tattoos in general are my thing. Haphazard. Some some chicks can get by with it. She could have if they hadn't been like, like she played paintball. And wherever she got hit, they put a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> Coming right back after this, folks. Don't go away. Excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Carol King's birthday here yesterday. I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel In 1971, on this day, Carol King released her second studio album, Tapestry. It is one of the best-selling albums of all time. 25 million copies. I think this thing must have stayed on the charts for like six years. Everybody's house you went to back in the day, you could go through their records and guaranteed there was a copy of Tapestry. Carol King is one of America's most influential, incredible songwriters. We celebrate her birthday, we celebrate her music here. On WABC Talk Radio 77, Derek Hunter is... Uh, Derek, do you like Carol King or do you have something snarky and nasty to say about Carol King? No, she's fine. She's fine. She's a, she's a good songwriter. Wasn't she a songwriter, Goffin and King? Before she became a, a singer, she was a songwriter. She's a great songwriter, yeah. Yeah, her songs. Very influential in the Beatles. They used to... Oh, here we go. Got to bring in the Beatles, the That's only right. group that Derek really loves. Got to bring it back to the four white guys. <laughs> I'm representing my people, James. <laughs> oh, your people. One of the stories that I loved this week, Derek, I absolutely, I had a great laugh over it. This 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 gal that's on The uh, the View, this uh, Sunny Houston. Sunny Houston, 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 whatever, yeah, her, w- did that show that they go to discover the roots. I wish you could go on that show because I'd love to find out about your history. No, because they, I've, I'm the worst person for that. I don't give a damn. So you tell me, you know, that uh, your family was this or your family was that. And your family, like, is there any money in it for me? Because I don't care. Well, you're, there was, it used to drive me nuts. Remember the Ancestry.com ad where the guy's like, when I was a kid, it was all about uh, we were Italian and, boy, we ate pasta and we had uh, spaghetti fights and everything. And, blah, blah. and then I did this, and it turns out that I'm not Italian at all. I'm German. And so now we're later hosing, and we're and like, you're an idiot, dude. It has nothing to do with it. What the hell's wrong with you? Where people came from uh, 200 years ago has no bearing on whether or not you're a jackass. And you're a jackass. Tell that to Vladimir Putin. But <laughs> it drives me nuts. My people, historically this, historically that, and all the... Just shut up. Well, I loved a- the reaction she had when they told her that, that her folks were actually the oppressors. I know. Well, was- no, she was upset because it's her brand. Now she just screwed over her whole brand. Like, and she's so she had to come out and said she had to come out and say, well, I'm still for reparations. Yes, and my response is, well, great. Now we know where to send the invoices to uh, everybody that wants 
reparations. Send your invoice. And I'm, please don't. I'm only saying this. I'm not saying it to do it. Just as a joke, send your invoices to to Sonny. I do love it. I'm still for reparations. I'm still for other things that won't happen. I'm still for unicorn rights. Like, just get over it. It's a total virtue signal. It couldn't have happened to a worse person and, you know, good for it. She's just awful. She's just the only person worse is Joy Reid. At least Sonny doesn't engage in cultural appropriation. Like, what's up with Joy Reid? I don't think her blonde hair is natural, James. Do you? <laughs> I'm not it's an expert, but I'm not really sure that uh, that's a natural. Uh, and the beetle haircut on top of it. So I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, I, I don't comment very much on Joy Reid. Joy Reid has some nasty things to say about me once upon a time, and I just kind of ignored it. It's like, yeah, who cares? It's Joy Reid. I, uh, eh, whatever. I'm not even going to honor it with a, a response. But uh, anyway, it's it's it's. I just think it's amazing that this entire left apparatus right now seems to be having so much difficulty every time they turn around. I wonder if this, if all of this, if they're seeing the tea leaves, that they might not have the kind of 2024 that they want. Let's grab some telephone calls, Derek. You know, I haven't heard from Adam. Called me a few weeks ago. Our friend Adam. Yeah. Called me a few weeks ago, a few days ago. What did he call you? And I kind of went off on him because he with the, with the and I haven't heard back from him, so I hope he's okay. And I didn't hurt his feelings. I kind of got on him about this excessive Trump hate that they that 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 he and the rest of um, the liberals are going through. That that they these I honestly do believe it though that these people would rather see every institution that made America great torn down before they would see Donald Trump back in the White House. They, well, they are of the belief, like your former governor up there in New York, that America it was never all that great. It never was all that great. All these people, it drives me nuts. They're like, oh, it's so oppressive. That we have walls to keep people out, not keep people in. It swings both ways. I would be in favor of a liberal relocation program where we go to these college campuses and we'd let these kids tell us where it's better and where everything is better and why we suck and say, okay, we will pay for your move. We'll ship your stuff. We'll, uh, whatever country you can find that will take you to get you out of here because we're so concerned for your mental well-being that we will pay to move you anywhere in the world that will have you on one condition. You renounce your citizenship and never return. Like, that's it. That's the deal. You, you think that uh, Comrade Castro down in Cuba has got it made? Go for it. You want to live in the utopia of of North Korea? That's fine. You just can't come back. That's it. That's a fair <laughs> deal. Now, I bet a bunch of these people would take you up on that offer and would be climbing the walls soon. But Or, you know, even just send them to – you want to go to France? Okay. You can't speak French, and you have this weird sense of entitlement that everybody must speak English. And Let's see how well that goes over in France. Let's just – have fun with this. And we can make it a reality show. We can fund it through that. It'll be the biggest TV hit ever. I would love to do that. I would love to see that happen as well, Derek, actually. Hey, uh, let me just, let's, let's head to the telephone. Sandra in New Jersey has been holding. Sandra, welcome. You're on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Sandra? I'm good, thank you, James. How are you? Well, very well, thank you. What's on your mind this morning? I wanted to say that um, the RNC, you know, Nikki Haley 
was knocking Donald Trump saying, oh, more chaos, you know, now the RNC. To me, I think it's a great thing that he wants to revitalize the RNC because they made a lot of mistakes, and that's okay. We're going to correct them now. He's going to put in somebody new. I think his name is Michael Watley, and he um, is going to, uh, you know, and also I learned that the Democrats spent their money much better than the, the Republicans. They put their money all towards the election where the Republicans are spending it on flowers and limousines and things like that. So it's good that we're going to revitalize and improve. So, and then Big one story during about, the week. So I'm a, Sandra, thank you for bringing it up. Let me ask Derek about it. So, yeah, we had this story early in the week, and, and this should have been big news. I'm glad she brought it up. Donald Trump pretty much had a, a sit-down with, with Ronna McPhail, and Ronna McPhail apparently has agreed to exit. The timing is whether it's going to be after the South Carolina, I mean, a Republican primary, or whether it's going to be in the spring of next year, and will be replaced by a stop-the-steal guy who is a counsel in the RNC, if you can believe news reports. But the fact that Ronald McPhail is leaving. Why what are you calling what's your, her McPhail? Because she's one of the three McPhails. She, mm-hmm. that, and this we got from my beautiful and wonderful Princess Di, the three McPhails. Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, and Rana McDaniel, the McFails. And so two of the McFails apparently will be gone, and the third McFail is under pressure to leave. Will you allow me to play devil's advocate for a moment? Please, absolutely. Please, absolutely. How did she get the job in the first place? Who endorsed her? Donald Trump did. Yeah, and and, and get the job again? And he said she did a great job for me then. Maintain the job. Which, which when did she do a great job? In twenty sixteen, apparently. Jesus, it was uh, Ryan's previous. She raised then, money. Wasn't it? She it was, she it was it was right. It was Ryan's. It was Ryan's came in after twenty sixteen, and then after so she right, didn't after do Ryan's squat. went to. And after then, Reince went to the White House right, and started after, doing, after we'd already won, after you know she she comes in, it's like whoever wins the Super Bowl, if the uh, 49ers win the Super Bowl and they sign a new kicker, is that kicker going to go to the parade and go, hey, I, we won the Super Bowl? You weren't there, dude. She has a record of failure in her wake, 2018, McPhail. 2020, 2022. Right, but the only reason she's maintained that job is because of the continued support of the guy who finally had the come to Jesus moment with her when there was no other alternative. So, you know, I give him credit for coming around eventually, but, you know, let's be honest, Michael Steele had a more successful tenure as RNC chair than Ronald McDaniel did. He did. They took the house in 2010. Not that he had argue with you on that, Derek. It's just an ugly thought, but I can't argue with you on it. Right. She should have been yeah. going a long time ago. Instead of, well, all right, well, now you're on the way out where a lot of staffers are not going to respect her because she's on the way out. She shouldn't have run for re-election last time. She should have been discouraged. Agreed this, with that, too. Look, I supported Har- I wanted Harmeet Dillon in yeah. there. Now, people have their own view of Harmeet Dillon, but I wanted to see how, what Harmeet Dillon could do. Anybody and there are a lot of people in a position who gets into a position of authority or power eventually becomes that which they railed against. So there should be, you want to start with term limits, start there. Harmeet Dillon, you don't have to like Harmeet Dillon, but she would come in, everybody hits the ground running, everybody's got all the enthusiasm. If you become entrenched, then you become complacent, then you become 
Oh, uh, I don't feel. What time is the flight? You know what? Just book a private jet kind of thing. It becomes a convenience. Sometimes you have to do it. Like, oh, the only way to make both these events is if we fly private because there's just no way to do that. And then you, it becomes occasional. Then it becomes con- normal. It becomes well, convenient. It, it, that's what happens over time. That's why these people need to have churn over constantly. So I think we have to take another break. Do we? Yeah, we do. All right, let's do that now because we time is the clock is just winding down. So, Derek, I picked this one for you. Derek, I picked this one for you. One of your favorite artists who has a birthday today. Do you recognize her, Derek? I know the song. I don't know who it is. You don't recognize the artist. Well, which the, let's got let it start. I know I. Is it it already original? started, Derek. I know. Yes, this is the original. It, this song already started, Derek. I know, but it picks up. See, then music comes in. It's a cappella at the beginning. Yeah, but you should have recognized it from the a cappella. I recognize the recognized song. I don't voice. know who did it. Who did it? One of your favorite artists of all time, Derek, Roberta Flack, whose birthday is today. Yeah, that's my tramp stamp tattoo is Roberta Flack. Why is Roberta Flack one of my favorite artists of all time because she and donna she and donnie hathaway do the duets that you like so much you're assuming i even listen to what i say you're you made a <laughs> tragic mistake wabc talk radio 77 later in the show today we have the one and only princess i who coined the McPhail phrase, and we are watching the McPhail. This, this is, this is um, about a boy to me. This is the movie about I don't, a boy to me. Yeah. I don't even want to go there. It's a great movie. We're coming right back. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Tell you what, time is uh, quickly evaporating. Our first hour is in the can, almost. Derek Hunter, where can people find you? Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Just Google Derek Hunter. Slow it down. Slow it down. No, Come on. No. Patreon.com. Yes, slash Derek slash Hunter podcast. How do you spell that? D E R E K. Yes. Want to make sure people get it right. Derek Hunter. Just search my name; you'll find me everywhere. And I was—I had a point I was supposed to get back to about the casinos. When I was a kid, it was Vegas and Atlantic City and occasional Indian reservations. Now there are casinos everywhere. You think we're better off as a society because of that? I don't know, Derek. I, I want to continue that discussion with you. That was actually an eye-opener for me. And, okay, so who do you think is going to win the gambling, um, the, 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 the Taylor Swift game tomorrow? I would like to see San Francisco win, not because of Taylor Swift, but because the the uh, Chiefs have won recently. So I vote for the team that hasn't won in a while, but with my luck as a Lions fan, for God's sakes, that means that you should probably bet on the Chiefs. Okay. Derek, we'll catch up with you next week. Thank you, James. James. Golden, thank you, Derek, a.k.a. Snurley here. Our number duo coming up. We're going to check in with the news. Noam Layden on WABC. Keep it right here. Our number duo coming up. Your telephone calls, if you're on hold, stay on hold. We'll be right back.
Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. James Golden, Bo Snurdy with you. Telephone number 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Coming up later, of course, the one, the only, Princess Di. Can't wait to catch her take. We had a great discussion yesterday on three news stories, one of which you heard with Derek, this business with, uh, of course, the Biden documents, but we also talked about Tucker Carlson and this third story, this Colorado Supreme Court case, and I can't wait to hear what Princess Di has to say later this morning as we continue our discussions about those stories. Of course, we have our weekly essay from the one, the only, America's Small Caffeinated Mom, Ron Disrock. Looking forward to that. Right now, Noam Layton, WABC News, is with us. Noam, how are you? I'm doing just great. Good morning. Good morning. Noam, the story that you did has blown my mind about this 15-year-old that was arrested uh, this in, for shooting a tourist in Times Square. He was shoplifting, apparently, and when confronted about it, the way at least I read the report, he started open fire and, and, and mistaken. He was aiming for someone else and actually shot the tourist. Now, the thing that blows my mind, and I don't see a lot, there are a lot of things that blow my mind. He is one of the illegal immigrants here from Venezuela. He's 15 years old, comes to America, gets here illegally, staying at a shelter, took him no time flat to find a gun, unless he brought it in with him and was unchecked bringing it in with him. Does anyone know how he got the actual weapon that he used in this uh, offense? Not yet. I mean, 15 years old, he only got here in September. He was living in this shelter in Midtown Manhattan, just actually just a couple blocks away from where that shooting took place inside that sporting goods store. And uh, you have the story right. This He was uh, allegedly shoplifting, and the security guard stopped him. This female security guard said, I want to see what's in your uh, bag. You're, there's video of this. He rips the bag away and then pulls out a gun and fires at her but misses her and then hits this tourist who's here from Brazil in the leg. Then he races out of the store, cops pretty quickly on his tail. He sheds this, uh, what looks to be like a beautiful white jacket, winter jacket, throws it on the ground. He uh, sheds his slides that he was wearing and then runs down the flight of subway stairs and gets away. But, of course, that was until yesterday. The cops pretty quick in finding him. They found him outside a home in Yonkers. Yeah, his his picture was plastered everywhere, uh, multiple pictures of him. So I don't know whether that's what helped lead to his arrest or not. Uh, what happened? What do we think happens to this guy? Is this going to be he's 15 years old? What? I, I don't know whether anyone knows what happens. Is he going to be released on the streets pretty soon? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the cops that like the, 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 the immigrants that beat down the cops. And by the way, I read a story earlier today. There's some dispute about the events surrounding that now that are starting to emerge. But one wonders, is this kid just going to be is he going to stay in the country? Why isn't he deported? Why isn't he on 
being slated to be on the first plane put back to Venezuela and send him back there, wherever he came from? Did he come here alone? Is he part of a gang? I mean, there are so many questions about this. Well, we do know that they think he may be part of another crime that took place up in the Bronx, so they're trying to check that out with the gun that he had. The um, Those questions you asked, a lot of them won't necessarily be answered right away, and it depends on who you talk to. So Governor Hochul was pretty quick after that beatdown uh, of the cops, that one that's now three weeks ago, where those two officers were trying to break up a fight outside a migrant shelter and all those other migrants jumped in and started pounding on the cops. She said that anybody that was involved in that crime should be sent packing back to whatever country they came from. Then we reached out here. I reached out to the mayor's spokesman and I said, hey, are you on board with Governor Hochul, uh, the mayor's office, with sending these people back if they've committed these crimes? And the response I got last Friday, which changed, by the way, but the response I got last Friday was, uh, well, we're on board with kicking them out of the shelter system, right? So I pushed, oh, yes. Oh, no. So I pushed, real? Yes. So uh, we went with that story, of course, and then it kind of blew up in City Hall's face. And then by Monday of this week, the mayor was then saying, no, 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 no correction, we will kick these people out of the country. At least that's what he wants to happen if they are convicted of these crimes. Now, in the case of this teenager, uh, he's facing a lot of really serious crimes, uh, attempted murder of police officers. He fired at these police officers who were chasing at him. He hit that tourist in the leg inside that store. He brought a gun, by the way. You know, it's illegal to bring a t- gun into Times Square. There are signs everywhere that says this is a gun-free zone. So, oh, yeah. So he didn't pay attention to that either. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, oh. He violated the sign. He Maybe did. Alvin Bragg will want to keep him in jail for that one. Right. So He violated our sign. We can't have that. <laughs> no, no. So that, and that's more of the, sort of the comical part of this. But my sense is, no, this kid is not going anywhere, especially if they've pinned him in other crimes. And the way the police describe him is that he seemed to have zero remorse until they cuffed him. When they cuffed him, he then started to bawl. He started to cry. Mommy, help me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm. I found a second story, Norm, that actually just, I, if you're moving, if you, if you rent an apartment in New York, the New York Times did a story, what you can expect to pay the cost of moving, boxes, tape, $10,000. What it costs to move into a New York City apartment. By the time you get through with your first month's rent, your security department, the broker's fee. This There's one woman that moved here from Austin, and she totaled up the cost. Okay, first month, the security deposit, a lot of us call that last month. First month, last month, broker's fees. Fourteen thousand dollars to move into an apartment and that's before you start talking about if you need movers good luck with that if you can't do it yourself uh are you at all shocked at the cost of what average people here are having to pay i remember that guy that ran i forget his name that was starting that, that ran a political camp, rents are too damn high. Oh, yeah. And that was yeah. that was years ago. It's, this is, how do people live? Know him? 
Well, with these kind of costs. The one part of the story is 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 that's not new. Is that it just costs a lot of money to live in New York City, right? I mean, rent, uh, yeah. buying a place. It's always been a place people want to come. And as much as people will say all this nonsense is going on in the city, which it is, people still want to live here. It is a place people still want to live. Doesn't matter where it is across the five boroughs. You're going to pay a lot of money to live in the city. There was a short period of time where they took that broker's fee away, and sometimes that broker's fee that you pay can be a month's rent. So now you're talking about first, last month's um, security deposit, whatever you want to call it, and then you're paying that broker's fee. So there was a time when the city council took that away because if if you go to most other cities or states for that matter across the country, the uh, owner of the building plays uh, pays that broker's fee, not the tenant who's coming in. So uh, that has made it ridiculously high. So what you're seeing now is if you do want to live here, either you have to be somebody who comes from a family that has the money to say, oh, here's the $15,000 because it could be that high to move into an apartment just to get in. Or you got to borrow from friends you know, and family and say, hey, I'll pay you back at some point uh, to live in this apartment. But people desperately, especially young people, desperately still want to live in New York City. It's still a great place. I know there's a lot of nonsense going on, terrible things. It's still one of the, for, for especially if you're like in your 20s, it's one of the greatest places to live in the world. It's so much fun. I agree with that. I agree with that. It's just the cost is just right now, if you, if you have to come up with this money, and this is, if, if you're being kicked out of your place because the rents are up, looking for an apartment has to be one of the most stressful things that you will ever go through. If you are, especially if you're younger and you're just starting out, and if you're working and you don't have those support systems where you can borrow money from people, I just wonder how people are making it. I wonder, is this just a phenomenon that's in Manhattan, or now is this becoming, Is it are people being priced out in the outer boroughs as well? I just wonder how widespread this is, and if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, well, Brooklyn's more expensive than Manhattan now. It has been for a while. What, what, say, whoa, 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 yeah. say what? Yeah, Brooklyn is more expensive than Manhattan. It How is. did that happen? Well, it just became, you know, the hipster's palace, uh, you know, Park Slope, Brooklyn Heights, uh, Crown oh, Heights. All those neighborhoods are hipster Williamsburg. neighborhoods. Williamsburg. Uh, try to get find a place in any of those neighborhoods. That is tougher in Brooklyn in the, than it is in Manhattan to find an apartment. Much tougher. And so you'll pay these exorbitant fees and people are willing to pay them because they want to be where, you know, people wear their, you know, ski masks, you know, year round, you know, those hats and grow beards and, you know, they're great neighborhoods. Don't get me wrong. They're a lot of fun to live in, but they're going to set you back all kinds of money. So I don't know how people will do it, but that's always been the case. And you've had the mayors over the last four or five mayors have said that they're going to fix the housing crunch by building more affordable housing. But it's not an easy thing to do here, and none of them have been really successful at doing that. This is the other thing that I've often wanted, build affordable housing. Affordable, what does that really mean? Because if if you want to live somewhere that's really decent, if you want to live in a place that has some, some space, well, you're not just crammed into a, a, a nine by ten room, and here's a little tiny bathroom and 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 a half kitchen. It, it, just the, the square footage cost of development is high everywhere. So I and so how do you make? I, I've always been fascinated with this. 
and I've also fascinated by the length of time that it takes now to go through the process of even building. It's it's to me it's a nightmare. I don't know how anyone is going to un, ever untangle this so that the housing situation is actually going to to be affordable in New York for for a lot of people. I just don't I don't I don't see how it's going to happen. It, you know, it's the same problem that you have in other really desirable cities. Uh, again, people will trash San Francisco for everything that's going on there. But again, that's one place. That's another place. People desperately want to live me. there. You <laughs> couldn't. You couldn't get me. I don't even want to visit San Francisco. Right. Uh, I. You know. I and like look at all. There. Look at all this. Look at <laughs> look at what happened in downtown San Francisco. Yeah. You have so many of the the the, the, the major companies. That have just, okay, downtown is unworkable. It's untenable. We're pulling out. Right. I would never think in the day that you would see uh, parts of San Francisco downtown become a ghost town. But that's what has happened, literally. And now you have people that are, that are even saying, we have to take care of Oakland because Oakland is so crime-ridden. People don't even want to go near Oakland. It, it, what's happening on the West Coast is just unbelievably stunning to me. But if you go look for a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco today to buy it, it'll you won't get in for less than a million dollars, on average, by the way. So it's again, Still? yes, go look, go bring up and look and see if you can find a one-bedroom apartment for less than a million bucks. I don't, I think you'd have a very hard time find uh, time doing that. Wow. Yeah. Man, there's. A <laughs> I'd love to hear from some listeners of what they think. I'd love to hear from. We had a we we had uh, some landlords that called in earlier in the week too because there was a story earlier that I, we talked about during the week about the cost increase and everything else. And these a lot of these landlords are not having a, a, a fun time either. They are actually struggling with the payments that they have to with with the upkeep of these places and how much it costs the upkeep. And let's not forget what COVID did when many of these landlords would, were told that they had to basically become the welfare center for their tenants. Their tenants didn't have to pay rent and couldn't be evicted. I never could square that. How do you just make landlords just absorb the payments without being paid rent and say that that's legal? I never, and I'm surprised that that has never ended up as a major court case. It's amazing, and these some most of these people who were hurt were all small time landlords. You know, maybe they own one apartment or they own like a three story apartment where they rent out three apartments. Those are the ones who suffered then and continue to suffer now because there's nowhere where you make that money back. Maybe you raise the rent a little bit, but there's only so much you can do. And so they lost tens of thousands of dollars. Some of those people, you know, ended up selling off their buildings. They had no choice but to do that because they had lost so much money in the process. Wow. Norm, as always, such a pleasure. And I hope, keep us, at, um, keep please keep us, if you hear any information on, 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 as you always do anyway, but on what happens with this, this I'm particularly want to know what's going to happen with this kid, this 15-year-old, whether they do find that he was part of a gang. I want to know where this gun came from. I want to know how you come into this country illegally, you get a gun, you start your one-man crime spree. How does all this happen? And who is involved in making this happen? I think we could learn a lot if we actually get answers to some of these questions. But thank you so much, Noam, for being with us. Always a pleasure to talk with you, James. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley.
We're going to come back in a few minutes, my friends, and uh, just head out to it, and we'll just do that. 800-848-WABC. you on hold. Stay on hold. We're going to grab your calls. We'll be right back after this. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Four Tops, bring us back on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. 1968, this album goes as part of the Four Tops' greatest hits. Not often that a greatest hits album makes it to number one. Not here, but across the pond in the UK. Four Tops, this week, this day, number one album. The greatest hits of the Four Tops. One of the great Motown groups, of course, here on WABC. We might play some other Four Tops since it was the greatest hits. We have some other Four Tops stuff. We might hit some of it a little bit later. Meanwhile, let's get back to the telephones people have been holding and waiting. You want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number, 800-848-9222. Silas in Staten Island, you have been waiting. Thank you so much for your patience. How are you? Yeah, uh, thank you. I was so glad to hear Derek say about America. Yeah, I want all the billionaires. The movie stars, everyone who uh, thinks there's something better than America, please move there on a one-way ticket. We don't need you here. And on the music front, I would love to find out the musicians on Joe Cocker's album. Joe Cocker is a guy who covers tunes and hits them out of the park every time. If you hear his album where he did um, Unchain My Heart and Leave Your Hat On, the man was a great artist, great artist. And as far as uh, the um, black people getting off the plantation, I work every day where I hire young black guys, and I'm trying to get everybody off the Democrat. What What are you hiring them? What, what What kind of what, what kind of work did you do that you that you're actually hiring? What do you do? I do moving storage, and I do building. Because before I got swindled out of a few million dollars in um, real estate, I know <laughs> you can build affordable housing. But between the building department and every other regulation and call, they make it they make it a nightmare to even get an apartment done. It's crazy. Really? Yeah, now, that, you know what? I, we we didn't cover. I didn't talk about this massive scandal involving uh, New York City public housing, where you have 80 public people housing. almost arrested. Yeah. It, it's yeah. astounding. And, and this invest Greece to do everything, forget it. I, I, you it, put, put, try to put in a kitchen and they, and they uh, go, and now they're trying to make you not even have um, uh, uh, gas on your stoves. Uh, John Katzmacidu is talking about that. They, they, they're trying to... Force us into electric so that they can shut down our grid and really destroy us. Wow. But that's what they do. You know, I mean, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I'm going back in the development. I'm not the kind of guy who's going to cry and roll over. 
I'm going to rebuild my business. But as many black people as I hire, and I know, I try to tell them, if you don't get off this plantation, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. Boom. How does that message go over? Do they think you're just like some old racist white guy trying to tell them what to do? Or are people actually no. listening to you? No, they listen to me. I'm a black, I'm a black guy, and, and a lot of them I brought up from when they were kids. You know, I'm older now, but they know me and they understand. And they sit and listen, and I turn them on to WABC. I've been listening to Rush since the 80s. And, oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I and, and then they they look and see, they say, well, yeah, you're right. And I told them, I, says, I said, name me one country, any place that has more black millionaires. I said, if you go to another country and you walk around with your pants around your ass and doing all of that stuff, they'll stone you to death the same way they, they beat that woman to death for not wearing her burqa correct. I said, you will have nothing here. And I'm glad to see other black uh, rappers and stuff finally getting the message. Trump is the man, and he's been the man. And they've been, they've been running these lies about him, and the same way they ran lies about um, uh, Martin Luther King, they're running lies about Donald Trump. And I ain't going to stand for it. I'm going to keep telling them the truth and proving it to them. That man has wow. always been out to help people. Donald I love Trump it, has man. Always been out to help. You yeah. are an inspiration. And I love the fact that you're hiring people and you're leading by example. And that in spite of the fact that you took some hits, you said you're growing back your business and you're going to continue to develop. You're going to continue to make it work. That's another, that's another thing I'm glad to see Donald Trump do. You know, throw everything you got at me at the kitchen sink and I'm going to keep coming. I'm glad that man will not stop. There are billionaires that hate this country and there are billionaires that love it. But he's a shining example. You don't let anybody stand in your way. My mother used to tell me, don't let nobody upset you. I got two great blessings in life. The woman that gave birth to me and the fact that I was born in America. Oh, love it. Silas, you are such an inspiration. Thank you for calling. I love hearing from you. I hope we hear from you right. again. Me and Scott Lebeda were going to set up a thing about, um, you know, a race. We want to have a, a, a debate, and I would love to debate Adam. <laughs> Boom. Thank you. I hope we hear from Adam today. I love that guy, but I hope I didn't scare him off last time he was on. Alan from Orange, you're on WABC Talk Radio 77. Alan. How are you this morning? Welcome. How are you? Very good, Bo. Thanks for having me on again. So I wanted to uh, give you five reasons that I think why Biden has kept the border open, especially this long, leading to all okay. the stuff that we're seeing Here's now. what I need because we're looking at the clock, and I need you to just go one, two, three, four, five. Tell us what they are. Okay. First thing is uh, for the votes. To get new voters, all right. I think they're going to try to somehow get the the new migrants to vote. Number two, redistricting, so that there's more representation, dem democratic representation in Congress. Number three, uh, that perhaps uh, there's going to be a terrorist attack.
sometime between now and the election, and there's going to be some sort of national emergency declared, and we're all going to have to go to mail-in balloting. Number four, uh, a new disease might be brought in here by some of these migrants, perhaps disease X, like the WHO was alluding to uh, within the last couple of weeks. And then finally, number five would be uh, scorched earth uh, policy, because Biden and co think that they're losing so bad, they're going to take America down with them. What are your thoughts on all of that? Wow. That's a heck of a list. And each one, I think you have a valid reason for citing there. Let me quickly say about the votes and redistricting, because both of those are tied in. Uh, there is a lot of thought that one of the reasons that that Texas is particularly targeted is because if Democrats can turn Texas blue, they will not have to worry about a Republican presidency anymore. They've got California. They've got New York locked up, so they think. So you take you you bring in those electoral votes from Texas, add that in the mix. They've got other states that they know they can pull in elections, like Pennsylvania. And then when you start looking at the numbers, the, the thought that the, what they do is diminish the impact of Florida and the people moving into Florida. So, yes, I think that's extremely valid. As for some of the things like with the second pandemic, not so sure about. But one thing, you, you look at uh, Democrats used to talk openly about this, and they used to call it the browning of America. You can go online, you can search, going back in the news, and you can see how they were warned, they were bragging that America is changing by X date, it will no longer be a white majority country, blah, blah, blah. So you have all this immigration taking hold. When Republicans and conservatives and other people started to object to the illegal immigration, all of a sudden what they said was, well, you Republicans are racist. You're talking about the great replacement thing. You're talking about you that we want to replace voters, and that's absolutely racist. It's not racist. They were the ones that came up with this in the first place. They openly telegraphed what they wanted for America, that they did not think that America as a quote-unquote white majority country was a country that they wanted to be a part of. They wanted, as they... Just Google the phrase, the browning of America. And they were openly talking about this. Well, under Joe Biden, look at what has happened. Before this latest influx this year, we had 6 million illegal immigrants during the term of Joe Biden alone. Now, this latest influx may bring us up to 7, who knows, maybe 8 million. Do people think that that is not actually one day going to result in votes. Already you have local governments in these sanctuary cities saying, oh, we, it's unfair to have people here that don't have any representation. Even though we don't want them to vote in national elections, we certainly want them to participate in local elections. It's only fair. So, of course, this is a plan. Alan, how could it be anything other than a plan? Uh, it's not. But here, here, here's one phrase that I really love telling people uh, all the time. And it was coined by a, uh, a patriot who wrote a book called Behold a Pale Horse, the late Bill Cooper. And his phrase was, the weight of one truth can crush a mountain of lies. I love that phrase. 
Wow. Thank you. Look, Alan, thank you for the call. We appreciate you. WABC Talk Radio 77. More of your calls coming up and stay with us later on. We're going to, of course, check in with Princess Diana and with America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. But your call's coming up. I've got some other news. We do have, we have to revisit, we have to revisit today, a little bit later in the show, Da Fanny. There is news about Da Fanny. And you know, if there's news about Da Fanny, I'm going to touch it. That's coming up on WABC. You know, I met, he didn't give me permission to tell his name, but I met one of the principal recording studio owners who had a lot to do, and his dad, with the sound of Philadelphia and with the music from there. We had a great conversation in coming weeks, we're going to reveal some of that. But today, we honor the birthday of Norman Harris, guitarist, songwriter, producer. He worked with that sound of Philadelphia, the Delphonics, the Tramps, and, of course, this one, MFSB. Norman Harris passed away in 87, born in 1958. Norman Harris, guitarist, songwriter, producer, funk meister. I remember when this record came out, this record was such a smash, the production was so tight. And rarely do instrumentals jump up the charts the way this one did. This one, a blockbuster. TSOP by MFSB on WABC Talk Radio 77. Stay with us. Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Team 78. Van Halen drops this. They're self-titled. Studio album Van Halen. This album goes on to sell over 10 million copies, including this one, Running with the Devil. Running with the Democrat. On this day, 1970, Van Halen. Drops it. On WABC Talk Radio 77, let me uh, grab a few other calls, but I want to do a story or two first. Jack Smith, the uh, prosecutor, in uh, it's going to be remarkable to see how he's going to keep pace with some of these events. He is trying his best to put a wrench with the judge, Eileen Cannon. He has filed another briefing. He wants her 
to keep documents under seal that she had planned on releasing. She's the one that's overseeing the Donald Trump classified documents case. That one is in Florida. Now, what she's saying is that he wants to keep under seal documents that the judge was going to release because potential witnesses would be disclosed and, of course, their safety would be compromised. Really? He says if the documents that she plans to make available are unsealed, the identities of numerous potential witnesses, along with the substance of the statements they made to the FBI or the grand jury exposing them to significant and immediate risk of threats, intimidation, and harassment would occur. I find this curious. You may remember a few years back, the Democrat Party was all about, quote-unquote, transparency. Democrats wanted the name of every Republican donor, and they pushed for it, and they got it, by the way. In some cases in California, oh, the donors' names were released. You had Democrats and these Democrat pressure groups lining up at the houses, of re- going to people's houses, and threatening them. Jack Smith, Democrat Party, I don't care anything about that, release the names. Now all of a sudden, we need to keep everything quiet. Why we have to worry if we let transparency rule and people are free to see what the information is in these supposed cases that are coming up, these political witch hunts. If we, if people actually get a chance to see who's behind it, who's testifying, who's making these allegations, who's saying what, all of a sudden their lives are supposedly at risk. These are the same Democrats, once again, who don't mind the name of every single person in America that's a donor to Republican causes, they want their names released so that their attack goons on the left can visit these people at home, imitate them. You remember, donors, they hit up, remember the, te- the, the I, I'm forgetting the guy's name. He was involved in one of the big companies that was like either PayPal or one of those. They forced this guy out of his job when they found out he donated to Trump. They forced him out of his, they, no, they they harassed this man out of his job. And if they found that you were in certain sectors and you were actually a Republican, the pressure groups would pounce on you. So, Jack Smith, I don't want to hear this stuff. You guys like transparency? Live by transparency. Let's see what you have in those documents. Here's case in point. Let's talk about retribution. White House. Vince at America's top banker, Jamie Dimon, for backing MAGA. No Oval Office invites. That's in the New York Post today. Jamie Dimon, CEO of America's largest bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, has been iced out of White House. Good graces. What was his crime? A few weeks back, and we reported this, Jamie Dimon said, look, all this bashing of MAGA and all that, he says, if you just take a step back, be honest, 
Donald Trump was kind of right about NATO. He was kind of right about immigration. He grew the economy quite well. Tax reform worked. He was right about some of China. That's what he told CNBC's Squawk Box. Those comments are enough to now have the top banker in America, Jamie Dimon, pretty much banned from the White House. How dare he say anything realistic? But not harmful about the Trump presidency. How dare he speak some truth? This is what Democrats are today. Unless you told their line, their way, they will shut you out of everything. You're not allowed. And this is the guy, Joe Biden, remember, who talked about how he wanted to unite the country. Anytime I hear some Democrat telling me they want to unite, it's a bunch of certified, irrefutable BS. They don't want to unite anything. You either tow their line or they will tow you down and tear you down. And that is what this is all about. Jamie Dimon, hey, look, let's stop it with all this incessant MAGA bashing. Let's actually say a few things. He was kind of right on this. He was kind of right on that. That's enough. To get Jamie Dimon on the non grata list at the White House. Not welcome here. Stay out, Jamie Dimon. That's who these people are. When Princess Di comes on, I want to ask her about this story, uh, this, this headline. The Colorado Secretary of State says the Supreme Court of America is not friendly to democracy voting rights. This is They haven't even ruled on this case yet, and she's already bashing the Supreme Court. I want to know what Princess Di thinks about that. There's another story today. There are actually two stories about electric vehicles. One might be a bit surprising. One major manufacturer of cars resisted the EV mania. Now they are raking in the cash. Their competitors are losing money. Everybody that ran into these electric vehicles, these big companies, losing money. Guess which company didn't join them? Toyota. Toyota drew activist criticism when it did not quickly embrace the electric vehicles like its major competitors, but the Japanese automaker giant now appears to be in better financial shape than its American adversaries who were pressured by Democrat, Democrat Party Joe Biden to jump on this EV bandwagon. This is more evidence of what Democrats are doing to this economy and to our businesses. Oh, Derek has got a correction for me. It wasn't a Trump donor. It was the co-founder. That's right. Thank you, Derek. It was the co-founder and CEO of Mozilla. He had donated to California's proposition against gay marriage. He, he gave, what they, when they found out about it, they ran him out of his company, out of Mozilla. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, these people. Let's find out who the donors are. Let's find out who donates to what so we can send our attack goons after them and destroy their lives. 
But when it comes to this case, that this witch hunt against Donald Trump, oh, no, no, let's keep all that information secret. Who's making the allegations? Who these people are? Oh, we don't want these MAGA people uh, going after them. A lot of... Anyway, we're late. Let me grab a break right here so we can get more of your phone calls. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurry, is Saturday morning. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Oh, man, this was one of my favorite songs back in the day. Do you remember this guy, Terrence Trent Darby? I think it's his birthday today. Well, he's not Terrence Trent Darby anymore. That's the the thing. Actually, not his birthday. It's the day that his debut album dropped. Terrence Trent Darby had Wishing Well on it. That went up to number one, If You Let Me Stay, and this one signed your name. Nine weeks, top of the charts. Then back in 2001, Terrence Trent Darby legally changed his name to Sananda Matiera. Materia. And said, Terrence Trent Darby's dead. That was the last we heard of Terrence Trent Darby. Great artist, though. Great music. For the limited time that we had him on the scene. WABC Talk Radio 77. Your call is coming up later this show. America's Princess of Policy and Punditry. Princess Di and America's Small Caffeinated Mom. Rhonda Schrock will join us. Keep it right here on WABC. Your call is coming up as well. Attention former patients of Dr. Darius Paduke, New York City and Long Island urologist. Dr. Paduke was arrested and charged with sexually abusing his patients for many years. If you were a patient of Dr. Darius Paduke at any time and were subjected to any sexual misconduct, you may be entitled to substantial cash compensation. Call our law firm's Dr. Paduke Sexual Abuse Helpline now. Call 800-264-0635. Dr. Paduke treated both children and adults. He practiced at New York Presbyterian Wild Cornell in New York City and Northwell Health on Long Island between 2005 and 2023. If you were a patient of urologist Dr. Darius Paduke as a minor or an adult at any time and were subjected to any inappropriate sexual touching, you may be entitled to substantial cash compensation. Call now to get the justice, closure, and the financial settlement you deserve. Call our law firm's Dr. Paduke Sexual Abuse Helpline now at 800-264-0635. But the deadline to file a claim is rapidly approaching. Call right now, 800-264-0635. 800-264-0635. Listen up, New York. You can now order your favorite New York lottery tickets right from your phone with jackpot.com. The Mega Millions and Powerball jackpots are getting bigger every day, and you can get in on the action right now and order official Powerball, Mega Millions, and New York lotto tickets right from your phone with jackpot.com. Just choose your favorite lottery game, pick your lucky numbers, and get notified when you win. I love the lottery, and jackpot.com makes it so easy because you can order all your lottery tickets easily from your phone. Jackpot.com notifies me right away if I win. 
It's safe and secure, and I never have to worry about losing my lottery tickets again. This is the greatest thing ever. I can order tickets from my phone for Powerball, New York Lotto, and other lottery games while I'm sitting on my couch at home. Don't wait. Go to jackpot.com and order lottery tickets from your phone. Plus, right now, get a free lottery ticket with your first order. Go to jackpot.com. That's jackpot.com. Jackpot.com. Paid for by jackpot.com. You must be 18 or older to order a lottery ticket. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Residents of New York, call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Told you you might hear some more from the four tops. Here they are. On WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York, make sure to keep it here. And this evening, you can check out the one, the only, the legend in broadcasting, Cousin Brucie on WABC. Let's head over to Joyzy and talk with Maria. Maria, how are you? Welcome this morning. How are you? Nervous. But Why are you nervous? Oh, uh, because uh, and I'm, I'm kind of nervous talking on the radio, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just want to thank you for playing snippets of great music uh, during your show. And uh, one of my favorite, I, I'm almost 70 years old, listening to WABC until we went over to FM. But anyway, um, one of my favorite groups is the Four Tops. And um, back in 1966, uh, one of my favorite songs I dropped was um, um, "Shake Me, Wake Me When It's Over," and you played that this morning. And oh back yeah, then it was, yeah. Back then it was just a song. And and throughout the years, like I said, I'm almost 70 years old, and I'm still listening to the Four Tops and other great Motown music that came out at that time. Sorry, but I think it kind of ended. Uh, in the 70s. <laughs> um, but uh, now I'm saying, you know, it's not just a song anymore. It's like I, I, I've, over the years I've been saying, shake me, wake me when it's over, listening to the news and stuff. You know, oh, no kidding. Really, just you know, shake it, me, it's... wake me when it's over. <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. seem to be over. It's like uh, Groundhog Day each and every day. You know, it's just bad news. And I feel like these are the last days, you know, um, as a Christian, you know, I, I, the, uh, the prophecies in the Bible are coming true. And, uh, again, shake me, wake me when it's over. Uh, this also being, um, you know, Beatles Week, one of the first records I ever bought by the Beatles was We Can Work It Out. And I'm hoping that we can work it out. I'm not sure. I love these. I, look, I love these music analogies. Let me just say this to some some things that you say because I music to you is the same way music is to me. We listen to the same kind of music. We listen to a lot of the same things, and music is not just it. It it, it becomes. I've heard it the, the cliche now is the soundtrack grained with memories of the times that we had. And 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 the way that we feel about things, yeah. Shake me, wake me when it's over. You say, is it going to be? Look, I don't want it to be over, frankly. <laughs> this life no. is a this 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 life is a total blessing. And no matter it how is. bad things look, let us let's let's keep this in mind. 
no matter how th- bad things may appear to be, there's always a bigger picture that we cannot see. We can't see into the future. That is in uh, God's hands. We can't see anything beyond. We can't even see the full extent of our own lives and the impact that we have. So one of the things that I would encourage, Maria, is that we should be the happy warriors. We should be the people that maintain the optimism in spite of all the bad news. We should seek out the things that are good. We should also seek out the positive in our yeah. lives and share that with other people and maintain I, the happiness. I read the end of the book, and we win. So, <laughs> Boom! There yeah. you go. Yes, yes, there yeah. it is. So, yeah, so let's be the happy warriors, and let's continue to, and and you know what? There is plenty of goodness in this world, too. We get overwhelmed by all the stories about the things that are bad, but if you look every single day, there is so much good that happens. There are so many people that live their lives trying to do the right things and be great people and to live up to the potential that we have to be not only in service to each other, but in service to our creator. So there's plenty of reason to be optimistic and to share the love and share the joy and to have that become the defining the defining principle of our lives. Maria, I love you. I thank oh, you for the call. What too. a great call. Thank you. God thank bless you, you James. You God care. bless you, Maria. Thank you. It's time for us, ladies and gentlemen, to put a wrap on the second hour here at WABC's Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Where's my music? There it is. We got to check in with Norm Layden in the news on WABC. I'll tell you what's coming up in the third hour. You always love hearing from them. Our first ladies, the Princess of Policy. Princess Di, America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, your telephone calls, and we are not going to leave today without me touching Da Fanny. Da Fanny is in the news, and when the Da Fanny is in the news, we reach out and we touch. We'll do all of that. As Bo Snurley, Saturday morning radio extravaganza continues right here on WABC. Keep it here. Welcome, my friends, to our number trio here at WABC. We are in the third hour of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you want to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC. You know, one of these weeks, i got to have, uh, ask John Katsimatidis if he, if he would come in and talk to all of us about oil and what oil how oil is playing into these events of the world. Very few people understand the energy business like John does. And he, I, I talked with him recently, and he gave me an education 
in what Russia and how oil is shaping some of these events in Russia, some of the events in the Middle East. And this is one of the reasons why these attacks are happening on shipping. And I say that because there's a story today that directly relates to this. A coalition of Iran-backed militias have promised that they are going to resume what they call painful strikes on U.S. troops based in Iraq and Syria. The Islamic resistance of Iraq, coalition of militia groups that includes one deemed responsible for the January 28th suicide drone attack, and Jordan said that they were going to suspend military operations on January 30th. Huh. Since Americans didn't get out of the region, they're going to start attacking again. I also read a story earlier this week where our military said that our aim was to degrade these groups, not to destroy them. And that blew my mind. Why in the world are we just simply trying to degrade forces that are trying to kill Americans? I don't understand that one bit. We, we, we don't want to destroy them. We want to degrade their ability to do Degrade hell. They kill Americans, and they, by the way, are all getting their funding from Iran. Each one of these militant groups, if they are willing to kill Americans, should be wiped off, destroyed as a force so that they cannot attack American military anymore. I don't understand this policy of degrade. They are killing Americans. There's another attack moving on to domestic, but I got to talk with John because what is the oil is so much a part, oil and fossil fuel, so much a part of the underlying story, not just here, but of course in Ukraine, in the Middle East, and how all of this is playing in. John is an expert at this. So we, we have to book that soon, maybe next Saturday, if he can do it. Democrats lost their latest attack to hamstring another third-party candidate. You can find that story to Daily BS this morning. The Democrat National Committee hit Robert Kennedy Jr. with a Federal Election Commission complaint Friday. They are alleging that he is coordinating illegally with a super PAC that is collecting signatures for him to, uh, to appear on the ballots. Now, these are the people who run around talking about how much they love democracy, how much they love democracy. And Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. Donald Trump wants to destroy democracy. What have they done with every single candidate that has stood up and said, hey, I, I want to run this time around? They're trying their best to keep this Dean Phillips guy off every single ballot. No, no, don't let him appear. Don't let don't give voters voters any choice. The Biden administration has utterly refused to grant Robert Kennedy Jr., in spite of his family's history in America, Secret Service protection. Now, Nikki Haley, who, by the way, was in Nevada, that story came and went this week. She lost to none of the above or none of these none of these candidates. How, can you imagine that? You run in a major state. The voters show up in a primary and say, nah, none of these candidates is decent. And that gets more votes than you. Anyway, Nikki Haley 
has asked for Secret Service protection. It will be interesting to see whether that's granted, while at the same time, I read this thing with Biden and refusing to give Robert Kennedy Jr. Secret Service protection. There's only one way to read that. If I think... Well, I don't want to actually even say how I read it because I think many of you read it the same way. Why in the world wouldn't they give Robert Kennedy Jr. Secret Service protection? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't the Biden administration do that? Well, now the Democrat Party machinery, the DNC, is trying to attack Robert Kennedy Jr., I mean, this would be blasphemy. Robert Kennedy, his dad, God bless him, Robert Kennedy, senator from New York, attorney general of the United States under John Kennedy, the faces of the Democrat Party in the 60s. And now his son is being treated like a total pariah in that party, and they are actively attacking him while claiming to be the saviors of democracy. Another story today. Court rejects Biden administration's attempt to dismiss Texas asylum policy lawsuit. Federal District Court judge denied a request by the Biden administration to dismiss a lawsuit Texas filed in an attempt to stop the administration from implementing new asylum policies. And what Texas is saying is that policy has to come from Congress. And it was there's one established by Congress. That's the one. Joe Biden simply can't come in and create new asylum policy. Well, District Court sided with that idea. Nope. We will see how this impacts all of this. But Joe Biden, this is so cynical on their part. These guys claim that Joe Biden, number one, they claimed for three years while they were letting millions of people in this country illegally that that the border was not a crisis, the border was fine. Now they, they, they argue, oh, it's Republicans. The Republicans didn't help pass in that bill that they put up was rotten from word go. And they always find some useful Republican tool to be the front person for it, as this Langford, Senator Langford was. I don't know him. I, I don't when I say tool, I'm not trying to disparage his character. I don't know about his character. I don't know the man. I'm not trying to say anything negative about his character. He may be a fine gentleman. He may be whatever. I just think is a policy coming up with this idea that we can let 5,000 a day in for a number of weeks, but if it goes over that, then we have to shut the border. And I think that was that was what, exactly what Democrats want, a continued flood at the border, which is why I said it's a tool, a tool for Democrat policy. I think it was a misguided plan all the way around. He's upset that Republicans didn't buy into it. I don't know where these guys think the Republican base is. Anyway, this immigration thing should be, and I hope it is front and center, along with Biden's age and these classified documents 
as one of the big stories as we move in. Okay, I promised it. It's time. Everyone is out to get my fanny. Everybody wants to see my fanny. Everybody likes to hold my fanny. But she loves no one but me. Everybody wants to seize my fanny. Everybody Says likes fanny to Willis squeeze my fanny. They do everything. Lied about a relationship with Still the prosecutor. There's a new filing with Da Fanny. Attorneys for a co-defendant of former President Donald Trump have accused Fulton County District Attorney Fanny Willis of lying, lying Fanny, about her relationship with Nathan Wade. Michael Roman's attorney said in the 122-page filing that they have two witnesses, not one, but two Kind of like having two cheats. Two witnesses who would contradict denials by Duffany that her relationship with Wade began after she hired him as a special prosecutor. Now, she admitted that she had a relationship with, with Nathan. She admitted that Nathan was tapping Duffany. But she said, hey, he didn't start tapping Duffany till after I hired him. Well, apparently... There are witnesses that said that's not the case. The fanny was being tapped long before this start, long before she hired him. And why is this important? Well, it's important because this goes to look. If this woman is lying in court documents, if this woman is misusing government money, Fulton County money so that the fanny can get tapped by Nathan Wade. I mean, this whole thing is becoming more bizarre. She hires a guy to work on the biggest political criminal case in American history. His prior experience, it's a RICO case. He has no RICO experience. The guy worked in traffic court. She hires the guy to become the lead prosecutor in the biggest political case in American history. What are his qualifications? We learn later, he's tapping the fanny. That's what his qualifications must be, because there's certainly nothing else on the resume except there's a fanny and I know how to tap it. And now, if she has lied to the court about when this relationship began, on top of the malfeasance here, there is every reason that Duffany should be taken off of this case completely and perhaps face criminal charges for perjury herself. This Fanny thing could grow exponentially. Yes, and we all know a growing fanny, well, there are benefits sometimes. WABC Talk Radio 77. When we get back, 
Princess Di will join us when we get back. WABC, Saturday morning radio extravaganza, 1942, Glenn Miller and his orchestra. The first group in, um, the first one in America to be awarded a gold record. It was actually a master copy of one of the discs sprayed with gold lacquer by RCA as a publicity stunt. But it became the industry trademark for sales. Later by the Recording Industry Association of America, they trademarked later on the gold record as a sign of success. First one in America history to have the gold record, Glenn Miller for this one. Chattanooga. It's my choo-choo on WABC. And listen to my version of a really solid Tennessee excursion. Pardon me, boy. Is that the Chattanooga Juju? Yes, yes. Track 29. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on it's 77 Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. I love this. Two days in a row of Her Highness, Her Royalness-ness, Her Everything-ness-ness, oh, America's Princess of not just policy, Princess of Policy and Punditry. Pop. <laughs> she pops. That's right, oh, ladies and gentlemen, our very own Princess Diana. Princess, how are you? I'm good, Sir James. <laughs> Makes me laugh, the fanfare. Oh, I hope I can live up to it each time. You always live up to your fanfare, your worldlessness. Um, listen, yesterday we talked about the uh, the this 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 Tucker Carlson interview. The views on that. Now I heard Derek describe the views, so we don't know the actual number of people that actually watched it from beginning to end. But the views are still stunning on this. People yeah. that watched any part of it. And then we took a call from some guy that I think misinterpreted um, some of the things that you said, and I had to tell him, no, 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 Princess Diana didn't advocate in any way for Russia. You were explaining the history of, of, of your family as Russian immigrants early to the United States. And I just want let's open with that and have you just kind of clear the air for anybody that heard any of that yesterday. Yes, I do appreciate the ability to do that. Yesterday, there was so much happening, and I was trying to explain the, the big events, the Supreme Court hearing and the Tucker-Putin interview and the, uh, the re, uh, Robert Hur report happening all at once that I didn't get to say in my uh, explanation of my reaction to the Tucker interview that I was not in any way advocating for Putin, who is former KGB, who is as, you know, lethal an opponent as can be. I was trying to explain that he is smart, he is steeped in history, and it was important to understand his perspective in order to have any negotiations or dealings with him. And Biden has completely shut him out, and there is no conversation or negotiations or peace talks or anything else, which is very dangerous. But I did want to add that my family fled 
from Russia and had no uh, loyalty. In fact, I just swear, forswear against loyalty to Russia. And so, but the culture itself, including the Orthodox Church, which Putin mentioned multiple times, is a very important part of understanding uh, the Russian culture and Russian history. So I'm glad you gave me the chance to say I was not in any way uh, standing up for Putin, who is a brute, but on the other hand, never believe what you hear propaganda-wise from either Ukraine or Russia or the United States regarding that whole conflict. Now, one of the things that, that you know, and I have always, I remember Russ used to say, once a commie, always a commie, when he was talking about uh, 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 Putin. And he never let us forget that Putin was, as you said. He was KGB. I and mean, he didn't right. say, he said he's always KGB. And that's what it is. I mean, but let's talk about it for a minute because it, Putin has, when people criticize the, the Putin regime, very often around the world they are met with his critics' uh, sudden death syndrome. They end up in hospitals, poisoned. They end up throwing themselves off buildings even though they have no suicidal tendency, kind of like their version of an Arkansas. And it happens all around the world. Yes. I, am I am I lying? I mean, we have no. our own version of that here in the states. We call it Arkansas for reasons that <laughs> I won't go into detail. <laughs> but, yes, it is unhealthy to be an opponent of Putin in Russia or anywhere else in the world. That there, you know, a lot of his opponents have a way of of turning up dead with, as you say, suicide with two shots to the back of the head. Yes. Okay. So on to other matters. Today, anything change with you and your thinking on the impact of this Biden fiasco of a press conference? You say you said yesterday the Democrats, the rank and file, love it. The more I see of even his allies in the mainstream press, they are clearly worried that this press conference and this entire line of that has been framed with the release of this report by her, is going to hurt them. And I just love this. They sent out some spokesperson from the special counsel office. It turns out he's only a spokesman, but I think he was almost trying to pass himself off as a lawyer, and he got called out last night on it. It was, it was, it, these guys are running into problem after problem. And one of the arguments that I see, Diana, is, they shouldn't be, no, 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 Joe Biden has no problems with his mental faculties. Well, I keep waiting for the question, okay, does that mean that he should actually then stand trial? Because there's no, there is no dispute that he mishandled the classified documents. So what are Democrats telling us here? If he's fine and if he's totally mentally competent, shouldn't the next order of business be, and we want him to stand trial? <laughs> yes, they are really painted into a corner. It's like, pick one. He's incompetent, and he gets exonerated, quote-unquote, or he's competent, and he's going to be charged with serious felonies. So they literally are trying to have it both ways. They're trying to say that he should not in any way be charged with anything and that he's fine. 
so, you know, they're picking and choosing uh, from this uh, damning uh, special counsel reports. And so, as I said, the rank and file leftist was happy with Biden's performance at that press conference when he was angry. However, the actual leaders of the Democrat Party are very worried, and the Biden administration has decided to go to war with his with his own attorney general, Merrick Garland. They are going to make him the fall guy. And I feel for Robert Hur, who has a stellar legal career up until now, Harvard grad, Cambridge. He's got, you know, clerk for Rehnquist. He's got an amazing resume. He is now going to be uh, turned into the caricature that uh, Clinton did with the, um, you remember, the Star Report and all of the, you know, turned uh, Star into an alien, basically. And so right. poor Robert Kerr is going to be, unfortunately, and it's already started. They're saying he is a, a, a partisan Republican because he's donated. He is a Republican, but he's donated to um, Republican causes. However, he was a top aide to Rod Rosenstein, and he also was counsel to Chris Ray. This is a guy who is not from the right. He's from the, the establishment wing of the Republican Party, and he is about to be basically Trumpized. They're going to turn him into a toady for Trump, and that, that none of this that he said should have been included, even though by law, James, he was required, the special counsel was required by law to give his reasons if he wasn't going to charge. And so that's exactly. He exactly. Said, I'm not charging because this guy has no memory. He's, he's going to be seen by any jury as an old guy with uh, memory problems. And so this this is not worth charging him because he's not capable of standing trial, basically. He's unfit for trial. And so he was required by law to honestly explain why he wasn't charging. And that is now being seen as he just threw these insults in his, you know, obvious Trumpite. And so we've got to, so they're about to go nuclear on both, heard the special counsel. And unfortunately, um, Merrick Garland is about to be gone. So both of those guys are going to be, uh, have the fire trained on them because this is how Democrats operate. It's always go to war, go to war. And they're very comfortable with this, this war mindset. And I think it will work to keep the um, the troops, the base, uh, stable and ready to vote for them. So to buttress, a little fanny language there, to buttress what you just said, here is an art, here is an article today from the American Prospect. A partisan hit job on President Biden. Special counsel hers gratuitous, gratuitous days at Biden's age and memory by Robert Kuttner. Now, in this article, Mr. Kuttner says, uh, so why did Attorney Merrick Garland appoint a partisan Republican as special counsel to investigate President Biden when dozens of other well-qualified people were available? Good question. Garland, once again, has proven to be Biden's worst appointee. Out of a colossally naive sense of fairness, 
at a time when Republicans are out for blood. Garland also dithered for more than a year before appointing special counsel Jack Smith in November 22 to investigate Trump's most flagrant and prosecutable breach of the law, and on and on and on. So the short knives are out for Merrick Garland. They are out for Mr. Her, as you just indicated. This guy attacks her uh, for actually fulfilling the requirements to actually say the reasons, as, as you predicted, why he was not going to prosecute Joe Biden. The attacks are on. In the Amazon Prime Washington Post today, hair on growing have grow over claims about Biden's memory lapse. They are scared. They are worried. And this thing is not going to perhaps end well for Merrick Garland. Another piece today, New York Post, Merrick Garland lays low as White House blast his special counsel's report. He's, uh, see, they're, they're coming after Garland. And Daily Mail, Biden plans to make A.G. Merrick Garland the fall guy for this bombshell special counsel report that branded him senile old man. So there you go. Yes, indeed. And, you know, the uh, the other part of this is Biden is so furious and he is letting it be known now that he is blaming Garland for delaying so that Trump will probably not be uh, in going to trial before the election, which, of course, proves that all the motivation on Biden to pressure Garland to get this uh, special prosecutor against Trump was political. It's all involved in the calendar. And so he is letting it be known behind the scenes that that's why he's so mad, because he sees that Garland's missed opportunity could have had Trump in the docks, basically, and out of there uh, convicted. That was the plan. Now, Biden, who comes has come across and gotten elected and reelected for many, many years, has always kind of gotten this reputation of being lunch bucket Joe, regular guy, fun, nice, you know, normal, uh, ordinary person. He is actually a very mean guy. And that is now at the top of the U.S. government. The vengeful, all the things they they accuse Trump of being, Biden really is. He is nasty, he is mean, and he is a punisher. And we've seen glimpses of it over the years. But now this all of it is trained against its own administration, which tells you the political trouble they're in. Once it starts being an internal fight, there's no honor among thieves. You know what? Let me get you to react to something that one of your friends said on Fox about the impact of all of this. Uh, hit soundbite 11. We can't unhear what we've heard. And what we heard in the report was that President Biden uh, has memory problems and cannot recall common details. And then we had the president's angry response last night in about a 16-minute long televised uh, newser with, uh, with the White House press corps which made it worse, where he conflated, uh, you know, confused the uh, president of Mexico with the president of Egypt and and said things that are very hard for us to get our hands around. He, he talked about how he'd been asked about 
when his son died and said, I, I said to myself at the time, why the hell do they are it's, are they asking? It's none of their business. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. So we can't unhear what we've heard. And what we've heard is, is that all of our concerns that have led three quarters of the American people to think that he's too old and two thirds of the American people to think that he lacks the mental acuity and sharpness and stamina to be effective as president. Those things are going to simply be elevated by what we've seen and heard in the last 24 hours. Yeah, so uh, I, I just wanted to play Carl Rove for you, Diana. That's, that's all I would yeah. say. My friend Carl Rove and your friend Mitch McConnell. So there you oh. go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my friend Mitch McConnell. Oh, the McPhail. You know what Mitch McConnell did now, Diana? Do you know what he did? What? what? He convinced that rhino out of Maryland. That rhino, that oh, Trump-hating yes. rhino, Larry Hogan, to run for the U.S. Senate seat in Maryland. <laughs> That's what McPhail McConnell did. I have totally come around with you on McConnell. I'm, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Princess Di was right on McConnell, and I had it. I have been saying, look, we always we have to cut McConnell some slack. McConnell got us the Supreme Court. McConnell got us the Supreme Court. You have to temper your temper whatever you have to say about McConnell by remembering I'm done tempering with McPhail McConnell. I'm done. Oh, so I have glad. come around, Diana. This guy has to go, and he has to go now. I'm Larry Hogan. For sin- are you serious? This guy. Well, if you notice that he, he has peopled the Senate with supposed Republicans and very maybe a handful are, are people that we would trust, maybe five, maybe four. So these are all McConnell picks. They're all deep state. They're all anti-Tea uh, Party, anti-Trump. And he was the driving force to tamp down any kind of political strength that conservatives have, have mustered up through decades. And he is to blame. If he were to leave, you would have fresh air and sunlight infusing throughout Washington, D.C. and the government because it's his darkness, in my opinion, his tentacles that have been really part of the corruption. Uh, Princess Di, thank you. I look forward to catching up with you this week, uh, Princess Di, as always. I, I, you know, just because you're right on McConnell, don't get happy. You're not right on <laughs> Michelle. I see all the headlines about Michelle. She's now the number supposed number two choice and all that. It's for all of you that believe Princess Diana and you're going to swim in that boat or however it is, row in that boat that it's going to be Michelle Obama, it's not going to happen. But she was right about McConnell. We'll see the convention in Chicago in August, so then the proof will be in the pudding. But I'm going to get my $100 bet one. <laughs> Princess Di, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Princess Di. WABC Talk Radio 77. Your call's coming up, and also America's Small Caffeinated Mom coming up. 1940 birthday for Jimmy Merchant, singer with the American Puerto Rican doo-wop group. Frankie Lyman, teenagers. Why do they fall in love? The first rock and roll teenage act. Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Birthday today, Jimmy Merchant with Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers on WABC. Love can't be the shame. I know of a fool. 
the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Uh, this is one of my favorite, my favorite, favorite, favorite of all time. Four Tops. Now, see, I don't even remember the year this came out, but I know I was in ninth, I was in 10th grade when this song came out. And I remember listening to it. I don't know how I remember listening to this in art class, but I was listening to this song somehow or another in 10th grade art class. And that memory just has stayed with me. Four Tops, Stillwater on WABC. Okay, so this is what I get for being honest. The Benedict wing of my of my program has spoken up. The Benedict wing, you should understand. Oh, way to go, Diana. One battle at a time. Way to go. He conceded. One battle at a time. And then the Countess of Conspiracy weighs in. Oh, ho, ho. so you're bowing the knee to the Princess of Policy. Next, you will come around to the Countess. The Countess of Conspiracy, whose voice you haven't heard yet. We're still trying to figure out how to mask the Countess of Conspiracy's voice so that she can remain anonymous and safe because there are so many. She speaks, well, she'll tell you that she speaks the truth, kind of Cookville theory. But, I mean, there's a little grain of some of it. So one of these days soon we'll deal with the Countess of conspiracy, who says, now you have bowed before your princess. Next, you will bow before your countess. The Benedict wing of the show is speaking up. Let's head back to the telephones very quickly. And Robert from Suffolk County has been so patient. Thank you for your patience, Robert. Oh, thank you, James. Uh, New York City shelters should have metal detectors with armed guards, and, and wands to wand people, if necessary, so that weapons are not brought into or taken out of the shelters. And that includes these hotels which are being used as shelters. I don't know what the policy is right now, but there should be no problem. There will be plenty of diversity because everyone except the criminals – are going to be impacted by this. And it's going to be quite equitable. <laughs> because you know, we'll get the criminals off the streets. Who are you raise an important this. point here. You have these shelters the taxpayers are paying for. We've got these young criminals that are on the streets from other countries who are here illegally and able to have and brandish and shoot people with weapons, and no one's checking where are the weapons from. How are they getting in and out of these New York City paid for, New York taxpayer paid for hotel suites with weapons to go out and rob and maim New Yorkers. Such a great point, Robert. All of this stuff should be armed. Yes. We're going to have to go to rapid phones for everybody else on hold. So rapid phones means you got to get to your point 10, 15, 30 seconds because we have to check in with America's small caffeinated mom when we get back. We're going to go to a break right now. Get back. You'll hear from America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. If we have time after that, we're going to get rapid phones on WABC. The time is just moving away. Four Tops. We're on the Four Tops morning here. 
on WABC Talk Radio 77. Stay with us. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. It is time for America's Small Caffeinated Mom. I picked this song for Rhonda. This is Tuck and Patty. The name of the song is called Love Warriors. Hi, Rhonda. James, I haven't cried on the radio yet, and I don't want to start now. That is so sweet. Thank you. It just made me think of you. This is a song, this song, Tuck and Patty. I'm going to have to play this song one day. It's called Love Warriors, Tuck and Patty, one of my favorite songs. And from now on, that's your song. Oh, well, you've just warmed my heart clear down to the core, and I, I can't tell you how much I love you for that and, and just for the friend that you are to me. And speaking of warriors, James, I just have to say what you said just a little while ago about being happy warriors, I love that so much. And I was thinking how it's so important for us to become warriors, not just for our country, but for our families. And if, if we refuse to become warriors, then evil Evil will come, and we will have had a part in allowing it. The happy part is the other key, James, and I'm so thankful that you mentioned that. If we are hate-filled, spiteful, angry warriors, we will never convince other people to join our cause or to see things the way we do. The happy part, being a happy warrior, there is so much power and effectiveness when you bring that joy and that peaceful spirit and just sheer happiness. Because if we walk around looking like we have headaches and hate our lives, no one will want what we have. So wow. thank you for that nugget. That that was wonderful. Thank you. Well, what's your essay about? We can only do it briefly this week yes. at time. Yep. But just I give will. us a synopsis of your essay this week. It's called Waiting and Waiting, W-E-I-G-H-T and W-A-I-T, Waiting and Waiting. Um, it was inspired because recently one of our sons uh, just came through an extended time of waiting, a lot of uncertainty. Um, he was waiting for direction on his next steps after college, and he was knocking on different doors, and just nothing was, was coming, nothing was opening up. So what he did during that time was so instructive um, it just happened that as he was beginning that job search, things here at our house had changed. And instead of me being at home all the time, I was called back into my husband's office to fill fill the spot there. And this was while we had a major barn renovation going on, lots of big projects around the property. And I wasn't here to help or oversee any of it. So what did that graduate do? He just simply set about serving the family, and doing what was set before him for that day. His, he has left his mark on this entire property. He spent hours outdoors working on the barn. He would knock on a door that came to him. He would go back to work, tending the garden, mowing the lawn, do, running the household for me and my husband while we were at work, and, and just kept hoping 
and dreaming and praying. And praying is one of the most active things that you can do, by the way. I want to slide that in. Anyway, and as a door would come, he would knock and he would wait. Well, one day a door cracked open and one thing led to another, led to another. And now months later, he has flown from the nest into the rising sun. And it's the most beautiful thing. One of his older brothers has endured a very difficult time of waiting. He went overseas at the beginning of 2020 to begin his dream and his career, and COVID hit. Just as he was beginning to roll, COVID hit, and he was locked down in a four-by-six room with mice eating his food and a crazy loud barking dog beside him driving him nuts. And he told me this later, James. I decided I was going to look at it as though I were a soldier. There's my warrior. And he wanted to learn to endure hardship and feel that spirit of adventure, and he endured. And the young man who came home to us uh, months later was more mature. His character had deepened. His faith had deepened. His spiritual life had deepened. He was a, a stronger person for that adversity and that weight, which is why, and this would be another essay, right? We should not bubble wrap our kids. I came across wow. a term, yes, I came across a term recently um, in the weightlifting world. It's called time under tension. And it refers to how long, how much time your muscles are under tension as you're working out. It, it takes time and increasing time under tension to grow your muscles. I have a little pound of three, a little set of three pound weights. A five minute workout with my three pound weights is not going to give me the body and strength of a bodybuilder. It is like that what is true of our bodies is true of our souls. It is that time under tension that grows that character, that grows that strength, that perseverance, that endurance, that faith. And it, it is never wasted time unless we choose to waste it. And the difference there in that waiting room, I think of it as the waiting rooms of life, is the posture that we choose. Are we going to be angry and combative and flail our fists at things we can't control? Will we go numb with resignation? And by the way, when we go numb to pain, we are numb to all that is good. Mm. Yes, it's not a good choice. Numb resignation is not a long-term good choice. Or we can lean forward as we're waiting in anticipation and belief that good is coming and will come, and there is hope for us. That is the posture that will get us through. Because one day the door will open, and good will come, and we will be stronger, better, happier people because of the weight. That's what I have found in my life, and I've, I'm watching my sons, three of the four so far, learning that very lesson. And what we do while we're waiting, we just get up and we do the next thing. And we get up the next day and we just do the next thing. Knocking where, where we know to knock, but we just keep doing the next small thing. And one step at a time, we reach the end. Yes. She is our love warrior, ladies and gentlemen. America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, mm -hmm. my friend. Rhonda, oh. where can we find your essay this week? It's on the dailybs.com, of course. And then I post them later after they've had time over there at my website, rondashrock.com, S-C-H-R-O-C-K. That's my little coffee shop in cyberspace. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Thank you, Rhonda. as always. Yes. Always, Rhonda. Our love warrior. Our love warrior, Rhonda Schrock. I just love it. Every week, inspirational. You like you can't believe. It's time. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones.
Paul in the Bronx, you're up. Got to make it quick. What's on your mind, Paul? James O'Keefe of O'KeefeMediaGroup.com is fighting to save America. Please support O'KeefeMediaGroup.com, O'KeefeMediaGroup.com, O'KeefeMediaGroup.com. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. I say this before, and I'm going to say it again. Buy a commercial. You can ask when James O'Keefe's going to be on. We love James O'Keefe here. This is not free commercial. Do it. You buy a commercial here. We have a great sales department. If you want to promote something like that, buy a commercial. Andrew in New Jersey, you're up next on Rapid Phones. How are you? James, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Golden. You guys both like the fanny and uh, big fannies. But I want to say um, great caller that talked about people getting off the plantation, not just African-Americans, but that's why I like uh, Trump, because he's a doer. He did the uh, prison reform and the economic plot. He's not a facial expression guy. And if you listen to Jamie Dimon, who's now been kicked out of the White House, the head of the largest bank in the United States of America, Trump did a lot more than that, was right about China, had a lot of things right, right, and that has cost him. Meanwhile, let me let you finish making your point, and then we're going to move on. The black community, they see that he's a doer, not a talker. And lastly, it was uh, like Obama would make facial expressions but not actually reform prison. And Carl Weathers said it best with – that when the Rocky fight, the trainer says he thinks it's a damn fight. He doesn't know it's a show. And Greg Kelly compared that to Trump, that Trump thinks you're supposed to get things done and produce, where the normal politician, you just talk and, like, rebel rouse. Boom. You nailed it. Thank you. You nailed it. Sorry to everyone we couldn't get to. God willing, we'll have a chance next week, my friends. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your families, your loved ones. Love and gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we are back on Monday for Boston Early's Rush Hour at 4 o'clock. See you then. Bye.